What's up, everybody? Um, usually we get that um little thing in the beginning. I guess uh, Ron turned it off. So yes, this is my very first um what I'm hoping to be a weekly DJN uh show called Win Some Lose a Little. A little play on words because in in the actuality nobody wins every bet that they place. Um, I I'm not gonna be the person that's going to come on here and just talk about <clears throat> how much I win and, and so forth and so on because sometimes you lose and, and it doesn't go your way. So um, we'll work through that. Um, I'll work through that with you and, and we'll learn together, grow together, and hopefully we'll win more than we lose, which is generally what I do. So um, win some, lose a little. And uh, we'll be talking about primarily baseball today, um, but I'll also give my normal sports takes and things that I see. Um, we also talk about golf. Um, I've, I've won the last two majors. Um, I'll explain how I, I go about picking uh, my golf picks. Uh, <clears throat> I'll share with you guys some of the resources that I use um, when I when I come up with uh, my plays and then also share with you uh, some, some of my tendencies. So I think – I think sports gambling is is um is kind of unique in the way that there's so many different ways to go about uh, your approach, um, but at the end of the day, everybody wants to win. Um, so so stylistically, everybody does something a little different. People always see things a little differently. So it's always best um, it's always best to get different perspectives. If people are right, people are wrong. I've I've personally um, learned things from people who are who are losing, um, and and honestly, I've learned things from from people who generally are winning, but they they get in ruts. and And it's really about how you approach um, how you approach those losing streaks or those those bad days. How do you bounce back? Um, so we'll go ahead and start with baseball, just because, like I said, I'm primarily focused on baseball today. And there is no sport that will humble you quicker um, than baseball. So, um, <clears throat> give an example of what I got going tonight. Um, I, I really like the New York Mets to get over two and a half um, runs uh, for the total. I actually put a lot on it um, just because I thought it was a max play. And the reason for that being is that I've watched a lot of Max Scherzer this year, um, and and I've I've actually pushed aside some of his numbers um, because this year he's just not the same old Max. Now, right now, he looks like the the old Max as uh, the Nationals are leading one to nothing in the bottom of the fourth. But, uh, I mean, the Mets have, have gotten guys in scoring position. They just can't they just can't knock them in. And that tends to happen. But the one thing that I've noticed about Max Scherzer this year is that he's been very uh, susceptible to, uh, to getting his fastball just obliterated. Uh, from actually both sides of the plate. And it, and it's not just obliterated in the sense that people are making solid contact. It's that because if you look at Max, he's getting a lot of strikeouts. The issue is is when people do make contact, um, I think that the the fastball hits are going out more often than, they, than he's seen in the past. And uh, he's gotten a little predictable in his last couple of starts. Uh, and generally speaking, he doesn't get a lot of run support either. So in a game like tonight, you've got the Mets, um, who've got Degrom on the mound, and and he's an underdog at home. Um, 
Yeah, the lineup's missing Caforno. Um, Cano just went out, but he hasn't been that great either. Really, it's Caforno, and then I want to say the uh, the leadoff lefty McMinn. Um, <clears throat> I think he's another key guy that's missing. Honestly, if I had a thought about it uh, closer, I might have opted not to play it simply because they've got too many righties for my liking in the lineup, and I think that uh, power lefties have been um, – the true Achilles Hill and Max Scherzer today, but I played it anyway. Even took uh, took the uh, plus odds on the the Mets first five, and uh, it's is looking a little shaky. But we got one out, two two count, and um, I'm not sure if there's Carlos Gomez or not up at bat. But again, it's an opportunity. And honestly, the first couple months of of um, baseball betting, you, you're You'd be happy to be 50% if you ask me, if you're an amateur. If you're a pro, uh, you probably should be making around, you should be about 60 65%. But as, a, as an amateur, if you're just somebody that, that you know, works a 9 to 5 and you come home and you put a little money here, a little money there on the games, um, you would be doing good to go 50%. And the reason for that is, is that we see a lot in baseball, uh, teams who start hot don't usually sustain uh, throughout the season because it is a long season um, and there's so many different variables in, in baseball gambling, day games, night games, travel time, the the weather. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, today I played the over on the Kansas City Royals over 3.5 um, because the weather in St. Louis had the had the field basically at Coors Field conditions and that would be um, it was very hot. Um, I think it was like almost 80 degrees, high humidity. Uh, which is always good for the ball to carry. Um, and then you got a team in the Royals who honestly are probably one of the most overrated uh, top-heavy lineups in the league when it comes to these small lines. And uh, I, I played it heavy, and, and, I, and it paid off. I think they had eight or nine runs. Um, I also doubled back and played the full game over uh, with the idea that one of these teams between the Cardinals and the Royals was going to carry me uh, to the over. And that's honestly – what you want to look for when you take lines over nine um, or 10 uh, primarily in my mind, I wouldn't take those lines unless the weather is very favorable. Um, also um, I wouldn't, I would only take those lines at a, at a place like Colorado uh, where obviously the air is thin and the ball travels. And then um, also uh, Arizona and um, <clears throat> give you another aspect of, of the difficulty of capping baseball. The run total line in regards to the output for uh, teams that play in Arizona when the roof is closed is almost one run less uh, for both sides than than when the roof's open. Uh, so, for example, um, I bet the Arizona Cardinals – I mean Cardinals, <laughs> wrong sport – the Arizona Diamondbacks pretty heavily uh, throughout this year, uh, both money line uh, – as, as underdogs um, on the run line, I've been very heavy on them this year uh, in, in certain spots and even during day games um, just because of the roof being open and closed. Like the ball just travels so much differently. And they are a very good home hitting team, in my opinion, um, when it comes to that, especially against left-handed pitchers. And um, it's it's paid dividends uh, for me, and and uh, I continue to support them. Now, in retrospect, when they hit the road, I don't really touch them at all, rarely. Um, but um, I did play them a little bit in a in a um, pirate series uh, 
earlier in the year. But for the most part, when they, especially in their division as well, when they hit the road, if it's not Arizona, I mean, if it's not Colorado, I don't really touch them. Um, but <clears throat> just like I said, just there's just so many different variables in the baseball gambling. Um, and what I suggest to people who who follow the sport, um, I I fall prey to this as as well. Sometimes you know too much um, about baseball, and uh, there are certain teams that you know they, they're terrible with runners in scoring position, um, and you gotta you gotta stay up to date on the trends of the teams. Um, for example, I guess the trend this year in April was the uh, Seattle Mariners. I mean, they were they were crushing, absolutely crushing April baseball. Uh, from an offensive standpoint. Uh, even better for a gambler is that off um, defensively, they were probably one of the worst teams that I had seen all, all April. Like, I'm talking these guys, these guys cannot field some of, like, the most simplest plays. <clears throat> so with that being said, a lot of times, if you like, with them, their run total was about 4.5 sometimes against good pitching, but primarily five and a half runs um, to six runs um, on most days. When I saw that, I got excited and I played it. I played it. I hammered it a lot in um, in in April. Now to give you an idea of why baseball is so difficult, this same team that had a historic April turned around in May, and, and I don't think they can buy a win, really. And they've been absolutely awful. Their bats have cooled off a little bit. <clears throat> so what I started doing was I started fading them. Um, it worked well for me uh, with the uh, Cleveland Indians. When the Cleveland Indians visited them, uh, the fade was in full effect, and the Indians had an incredible series against them. Uh, some some good underdog money was, was won in that series. Uh, same with the Oakland Athletics, the team that can hit at home and away, uh, not the most appealing team. Um, and you'll sweat a little when you play them, but they're, they're a team that if you play uh, pitchers who are, who are, who give up fly balls a lot and you get a game where the wind's working in your favor, they're the perfect team to jump on because they, they really uh, take launch angles and, and, and those type of um, advanced hitting metrics into to deep consideration in that organization. So a lot of those guys do focus on getting getting under the ball, getting the ball up in the air. And uh, you, you see a lot of home runs that, that get pushed out by that team that in some ballparks wouldn't even get close. And they play in a big ballpark, and they still get a lot of runs. Um, but everybody on the team, average-wise, is, is some of the lowest averages that you see out, um, which I guess this year has been a little bit better. But by and large, the last couple of years, some of the worst averages um, – overall as far as teams go, but they, they put up runs. So um, what do I look for in baseball gambling? Um, honestly, it just depends, night in, night out. There are teams that that um, I support wholeheartedly no matter what because they've been good to me um, in and out. I guess right now one of those teams would be the Oakland Athletics. Um, I, I would say I, I know the team pretty well. Um, I'm very happy to see uh, Olsen come back because uh, from the left side, he gives them a ton of power. But um, they've been a team that I've been with them on the ups and downs. Um, at one point, the Oakland Athletics had one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball um, probably towards the end of April. Um, I went against them when they played the Blue Jays to some degree. It worked out well for me. 
And then they had a homestand where I want to say the Indians visited them at home. And they did so well that I kind of flipped it back over and I started taking the athletics again. And um, it could have been, it could be that the athletics just are one of those teams that matches up well against the, um, against the Indians. But this week alone, I've made some good underdog money on betting the athletics because uh, Bassett's a pretty decent pitcher. um, And he was going against Trevor Bauer. Uh, They've also beat, um, who's the other, the other pitcher that they've got. Um, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but um, the other pitcher that goes, I want to say, second in the rotation for um, for the Indians. Let me see if I can look him up real quick. It wasn't Bieber because they got destroyed by Bieber. But anyway, I want to say it's not Salazar. It's the other guy, Carrasco. Carrasco. They had a, a pretty decent game against Carrasco, I believe, as well. Um, but um, it's just one. One of the things I jumped on and, and it's been going well for me, but you always want to stay current on your trends in baseball because these things can change overnight, week to week, definitely month to month. You like even if I don't put money on a baseball game, I still cap the lines as if I'm betting. And I and I make sure I try to cap every single game. I don't bet every single game, but I try to cap every single game and for the simple reason that this is all data collected and you need that information like you need to know uh what the score is in the uh phillies cubs game tonight you might not bet the phillies cubs game um like for example i'm not betting cardinals and royals but i really like the idea of the cardinals getting over 5.5 today and not because homer bailey's pitching but because again the weather's favorable and they didn't hit too well uh this afternoon and I like their lineup better to this evening than I did this afternoon. So with that being said, the five and a half was a little bit steep to eat. But if you know the weather um, and you're getting plus odds on it, not not anything too crazy. It's it's to me it's worth the risk. The risk. And um, with baseball, that's been my common theme this year that I didn't do last year, is that I have started taking more chances on underdog plays. Baltimore Orioles are the worst team in baseball easily. But I tell you, they've made me some really decent money uh, on first five inning wins. And and they're usually coming in at close to two to one on a lot of these games against a lot of the teams in their division. And they've, they've really done uh, a great job um, in their division, especially at home against a lot of teams. They're not doing so well against the Yankees. And I do know the history between the Yankees uh, a team that does live off the long ball, and the, the Orioles are a team that does like to give up the long ball. So when you have uh, a situation like that and you recognize it, that's perfect fade material or, or stay away material, and that's what I did. Um, but in like I said, in the same breath, they have made me some good money. So when do you get off of a trend in baseball? It all depends. Um these things do go cold from time to time. Um, Pittsburgh Pirates were one of my favorite teams to bet on for about a week and a half. Uh, money line and some of the run lines, especially on uh, their last West Coast road tour. It was great. You would think that when they come back home, a place that they usually do well in, um, that they would continue to hit. Not so much, okay? So um, Rockies are, are giving them all they can handle. Rockies just went to Philly, and, and I don't think the Phillies are a good team. But the Rockies didn't look good at all against the Phillies, pitching-wise especially. They were getting smacked around. And the Phillies lineup 
for what it's worth, the names are there, but the production hasn't necessarily been there from time to time. But the Phillies are a team that's very tricky. Um, and again, this is why I say you got to stay up to date on the trends. If you look at the Phillies and you watch their games, you will, you will want to like gouge your eyes out. It's it's awful baseball from time to time. If somebody on the Phillies gets in scoring position, it's like that team gets a super boost based on who's at bat. Um, some of these guys are are hitting like phenomenal numbers with runners in scoring position in their lineup, and and a lot of it honestly comes from the um, latter half of their lineup. So um, I would say after Hoskins, you get the uh, real real Muto and, and the rest of those guys, they've really come through in, in big moments for them with runners in scoring position. And uh, even runners in scoring position with two outs. So um, you got to keep that in mind. And if you find them facing a pitcher that walks a lot of batters, you kind of give yourself a chance, you know, to, to really get, get the over or really get um, – a win there, especially if you got uh, some of their pitchers who are who are lesser known, like Eflin, and um, and uh, there's another uh, young guy that they throw out there from time to time. But their their younger pitchers are not necessarily awful. They can maintain a, a lead, or if they get run support, they can really uh, they can knock off a win. The issue with the Phillies is their bullpen, whether or not you trust them. And honestly, I have not trusted them all year. So I've only been doing first fives with them or taking run total lines. So, again, you just kind of got to know. Um, it's, it's, I would say baseball is is a little harder to cap just because you do have to know some of the game. Whereas, like, football and, um, heck, even especially basketball, you don't really got to know the players. Like, I honestly could cap basketball based off of, like, simple statistics or, like, pace of play. And um, that's about it, honestly. Like, I could do an over-under based off a of pace of play. If you got a team that's got one of the slowest paces and, they, and they've got height and they get boards against a team that's smaller and runs a lot of, of uh, like, just open court play, it comes down to rebounding. And if the team, if you believe that the slower team is going to be the better rebounding team, then you're more than likely willing to take the under in that game because they can dictate the pace. Um, now, if you think that the faster team is going to have a decent shooting night, or you know that, that their guards um, do better against certain like players and stuff like that, like different matchups, you can make an educated guess that the pace of play is going to be faster. You can get it over. So, if we were thinking about that in the sense of um, the Bucks and the Raptors, the Bucks actually play a lot faster than I think we've seen them play in the past. Um, well, I'd go out on a limb and say that they're definitely playing faster than what we've seen in the past uh, with the Jason Kidd era. Um, and that's because their coach came from the Atlanta Hawks, um, and he plays a more open style of play. Um, we've seen Brooke Lopez uh, live at the three-point line a lot more than he has in the past. Uh, the spacing for Giannis to drive is, is um, there. Giannis has, has elevated his range. Uh, we've got um, – I always want to call him Caldwell Pope. But Middleton um, has a little bit more free range. And then you have a point guard who is very good at pushing the pace, even though he can play a little bit in the half court. I don't necessarily like to see him in the half court, but but so when he's when he's 
got his ears back and he's going to the basket. He's very good. And uh, when you when you add that into the mix, you look at the Raptors, a team that doesn't necessarily run up and down the court. Kawhi Leonard is not the type of player that, that I envision in the open offense. And um, yet they can knock down their shots. And uh, they seem to play a little bit slower of a pace. But then it comes down to efficiency. And that's the real decider in that matchup on over-unders. Which team is going to be more efficient? Um, which team? And, and I think a lot of people kind of undervalue the way people play defense nowadays um, in the NBA because the pace is so fast. You can get a, a, a poor shooting game and still have 110 points just because people are getting so many possessions. Um, but what we see with the poor shooting games in the uh, Raptors and Bucks games is that they get rebounds. Their guys get rebounds. Um, they've got a lot of length in this series um, in their front court and so forth. So um, I think the Raptors are playing in the style that they kind of want to slow down the Bucks a little, but not to the point where it hinders their offense. So they're, they're in the driver's seat, but if, if I could give another sports analogy, I kind of feel like they're almost like the um, the stalker horse in the horse races. So the stalker kind of gets behind the leader, and they run at their pace, and then at the last minute they pass them. Um, and that's kind of what I feel like the Raptors are doing um, to some degree, is that they're stalking the Bucks. They're allowing them to run a pace when they're in their inefficient phase. So when they're not hitting their shots, they're, they're definitely allowing them to get up and down the court because they're not hitting shots and it gives them more possessions, whereas they're the more efficient team and they're hitting their shots. It doesn't really matter what the pace is. Now, if the Bucks go on a run, especially when they're in Toronto, when they go on a run, you see them kind of slow the game down, kind of dial it back a little, focus a little more on defense, run a couple more sets, and then once they get the lead back, they run back uh, – and do what they have to do. But I haven't seen or been impressed with the um, over-unders in uh, the playoff basketball. Um, But I have been interested in the spreads. So um, I will say right now that um, I wouldn't take a double-digit spread on either team when they're on on the road right now. I think these games are getting really, really close um, in the first half. And uh, or sorry, I'm thinking of the other series. I think that the Bucks and Raptors games are are getting very uh, tight within the first three quarters, and then the teams kind of space out at the end. So it's really hard for me to take the team that's on the road because the team that's been at home has went on a run um, every fourth quarter basically and kind of covered at the end. So it's, it's difficult for me to to go either way. Uh, so what we have now is an even series. And when the series is at 2-2, I kind of favor the Raptors again. Um, I don't know what the line is on this next game. Um, I haven't looked. But um, if I had to, you know, make a bet, I would assume it would be about 7 or 8. Um, let me take a look real quick. Like I said, I haven't really been paying attention, per se, to uh, every game. But based off of what we've seen over the last two games and how the series is 2-2, two and two, let me see what we got going. And so I use Bookmaker. We have a partnership with my bookie. Ronnie might get mad at me about that. My bookie's okay. I use them both. Um, I just prefer uh, Bookmaker because that's what I came in with. It's not really any different. So, yeah, I was right, seven. So the line is uh, seven for the Bucks. Raptors are 
uh, seven-point underdogs, and then the over-under is 217. Mm, I mean, you got to think that some momentum is, is running with the Raptors right now. Um, I would expect the Raptors to come out and play pretty tough in the first half. So the first half is probably about three and a half, four on that line, and I would take the Raptors to, to cover that, keep it close. Um, and then, like I said, the way it's been going – if I took the Raptors first half, I would probably double back and take the Bucks in the second half to, to cover whatever the second half spread is because I feel like they're going to be the team that's going to pull away at the end. And the reason for that is, is that the Raptors are very – I mean, Kyle Lowry's playing great, but I don't think he can play that well on the road um, for the whole series. So I anticipate some, some coming back to earth for him in, a, in, in that um, moment. I can see the Bucks kind of uh, covering the spread towards the end of the game. Now, with that being said, uh, what do we get with the uh, Golden State Warriors? Well, I mean, the Warriors have honestly been getting disrespected uh, <laughs> for pretty much that whole last series. So you're not going to get no value on the Warriors um, in the in the finals, I don't think. Um, they'll be well-rested. They might have some rust um, when they come out in game one. So if you're going to fade the Warriors or, or – or take an under or, or something of that nature, I would I would say take your shot game one. Um, I don't know if Kevin Durant's coming back or not. That does make a difference in how they play. Uh, if you're looking for just win slot out, the Warriors are going to cost you a whole lot of juice, and, and I don't think it's really worth it to take the money line um, when they're at home. They'll probably be during their two-to-one, three-to-one favors, Um against either the Bucks or the Raptors. So I wouldn't really look into that. But um the thing about the the Warriors is they're they're always gonna dictate the pace at home. I haven't seen anybody slow them down in Oakland ever. Uh, not even the the Cavs when they were winning, uh when they won the series against them, they didn't slow them down per se. I think they just they just had LeBron and, and that team was already equipped to run and, and it kinda played in their favor. So I wouldn't anticipate the the Raptors or the Bucks being able to really slow them down. So the Bucks, I think Bucks played them tough this year. I'm not sure, but that first game is going to be it's going to be a little sloppy, I think, for both teams. So I would probably take the under on that first game, and then from there, just take it game by game what you feel. The public is going to go with with the Warriors more often than not a lot this series. So you, if you are a uh, contrarian player, or you like to fade the public, um, just just wait it out. I don't see a whole lot of uh, public favor for the Raptors or the Bucks, especially when the Warriors have to travel uh, for game three or four. I'm telling you right now, they're not sweeping either the Raptors or the Bucks. So you can get value if if it's a small line on game three or four. One of those games, um, I anticipate the Warriors losing by probably at least seven or eight points uh, just because that's just kind of how it goes. I think the series is going to go at least five or six max or six max five at the least. Um, so we're looking between five and six. So if you like to bet um, the exact results that I think that'll be one of your best plays right there. Warriors four one or Warriors four two. Um, and we're, we're looking for value, not necessarily like something ridiculous, but just, just like I said, honest value, something that you can kind of make a little bit off of. So um, going back to my baseball bet here, we've got, oh, well, I think DeGrom just got on base, which is funny. Um, but uh, we, we're 
down one nothing. Um, it's the fifth inning. If Scherzer hasn't given up some hits yet, I think uh, with Degrom getting on, I think this will be the time um, for the for the Mets to really jump on them. But uh, again, this is just the the ups and downs of, of baseball gambling. You know, um, one nothing is is playing in favor of what the public thought. You know, you got two aces and and you would think they would pitch well. I played the over because I feel like the bullpens are going to let people down later in the game, and um, that's what I'm anticipating. But um, we'll see who's right, who's wrong, but that's that's just how baseball goes sometimes. Sometimes the most obvious thing uh, doesn't play in your favor, and in this case, the most obvious thing is playing in people's favor, and that was to take the under. Uh, give you a, a definition of, of how crazy it can be, we had uh, Zach Davies of the Brewers and I think Luis Castillo of the Reds uh, pitching um, early today, both guys got under a two ERA, and that game was 11-8 in the seventh inning, you know. So I don't think either man made it past the, the fourth inning. So just how baseball goes. Be patient with your sports gambling uh, on all aspects, especially if you're if you're just transitioning into a sport or, or that sport is just now starting with the season. It's very, very difficult to to just hit the ground running um, on a lot of these sports because things change, especially when we're talking about uh, baseball and um, and basketball. Football, not so much. But you can anticipate the war, uh, the wars. You can anticipate the Patriots doing well week one, um, or depending on their matchup, if they're home or away, so forth and so on. You can you can kind of baseball uh, football trends NFL wise and even college football wise kind of stay the same. Um, college basketball wise, they kind of stay the same when they first start out too. Uh, it takes a little bit more time for those particular teams to get going, uh, like or the top teams to get going a little uh, in college basketball. But as far as NFL and college football goes, uh, those guys usually do hit the ground running. But baseball and NBA basketball and things of that nature is very difficult. Um, so I know I ran in a little bit about baseball, but like I said, there's a lot of information. I wish I could just do a baseball specific show, but I am um I try to be a well rounded capper. So I do everything. Um WNBA, which people laugh at, but it's one of the most better friendly uh systems that you can find as far as line movement and, and the overall uh sports book capping is very loose. A lot of times when I've bet WNBA before um, there's been like significant injuries and, and stars out um, and they don't even adjust the line for it. So you can really make a killing off stuff like that. I've, I've, um, I've bet the mystics. I think Deladon was, she's like their best player. She's one of the top five, top seven players in the WNBA. And um, I guess her usage would be like um, a prime Dirk <laughs> with the, uh, with the Mavericks. Like that's the equivalent of what she is to the Washington mystics. So this chick was out for almost two weeks, almost two weeks. I think I bet them, I probably bet them about six or seven times, and they did not adjust the line until the very last uh, game. And by the time they adjusted it, I would already made my play, and I, like, absolutely robbed the book um, because they didn't adjust it. And that's honestly what, what really drew me into WNBA, Um Shout out to my plug that put me onto it because I, I laughed at him and told him he was ridiculous and he needed to, to seek counseling because he had a problem. But then once I realized that it was so easy to uh, win money, I just I just stuck with it. So 
Um, so I, I do follow WNBA, um, and, and I haven't followed the preseason, but I usually what I do is when the season starts, I do like a, a quick recap reading of what people are saying about them out of their camps and, and so forth and so on. And then I um, look at some of the preseason numbers, and, and I take it easy the first couple weeks um, with a season like WNBA, NBA, or um, baseball. You always take it easy the first couple weeks. Those are long seasons by the standards. NFL, not so much, but if I could say take it easy with NFL betting, I would say take it easy within the first four weeks of NFL, and then after that you kind of know who's doing what, um, and then you can hit them kind of hard. But, yeah, just take your time, build your pots. I think a lot of people want to just go heavy, 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 or, or they know this team or they know their team. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes is that people know their team and they jump on it um, with with fan like enthusiasm, and it just doesn't work that way with uh, sports gambling. Sometimes, like I said, sometimes you know too much. Um, so try to be um, try to try to take a step back and and really look at things with a clear mind. So um, I got ten minutes left. Let's talk about my last week. Um, so I am um, I'm the definition of streaky, uh, and and I. I streak enough that when I'm on, I'm probably like you probably think I'm one of the greatest cappers of all time, and I and I'm talking I hit at uh, 75 to 80 percent clip on something, max plays and just everything. Like when it's falling, it's it's falling, um, and then when it's when it's not falling, I I don't necessarily have the floor drop out of out of the bottom. I think that's what makes me um, a little different from other amateur uh, gamblers is that my losses. Um, are tough luck losses a lot of times. It's not through any, um, I would say, any, like, misunderstanding on my end. It's, it's literally like the ball doesn't bounce my way type losses. And <clears throat> honestly, in the grand scheme of things, I can take a hit on something like that. Like, if the Mets don't cover this this particular uh, first five, I mean, I'm, it's one nothing. They've had plenty of opportunities for guys in scoring position. I, I actually don't have a problem with that. That just means they didn't execute, and, and that that happens in, in sports gambling. It happens a lot, actually. Um, that's why, you know, you win some, you lose some, but like I said, win some, lose a little. You would like for that not to happen too often, but uh, some of these, like, losses are tough luck losses, and, and they could very well come back and cover the two and a half um, when the bullpen is called, and um, that would – play out for my max play so I wouldn't lose that much tonight but um again these things are kind of what you see with uh sports gambling so you gotta you gotta just take it with a grain of salt sometimes when you lose um so with that being said my past week um as everybody knows in our group um I was very heartbroken when I lost the Kentucky Derby because I right uh with the uh my Kentucky Derby pick was um Maximum security. He won. They uh, stripped him of the of the win, and then ended up giving it to uh, was it country country horse house or something like that. I don't even know, man. Like, I was so mad. I was I was literally so mad. I just turned the TV off and just sat <laughs> in the floor. I was hot. Um, but um, yeah. So I had a heart not to pick the Preakness just out of spite. Um, but to give you an idea of, of how I came up with um, the winner that I picked for the Preakness is um, the field was very inexperienced. Um, a lot of those horses had not run up against uh, top-level horses. Um, 
the horse that I picked, uh, let's see. I mean, make sure I don't butcher his name because um, I always want to call him game winner. Um, but that was the <laughs> that was the, the horse from a while ago um, that won. So let's see. <laughs> That's a shame. I picked the winner and I don't even remember his name. Uh but I'm still I'm still mad about um maximum security. I mean I'm, it's just it's just not fair. It really isn't fair. But um let's see. Warwill. There we go. Warwill. I, I don't know why I want to keep calling them game winner. But anyway, Warwill. Um Warwill was on the uh one post um in the Kentucky Derby. Uh he was one of the main horses uh affected by um by a maximum security slip. So what I saw in that horse um was that that horse was fast. That horse was so fast that he was in contention. He probably would have passed maximum security and I think it would have been a two horse race at that point, but he was in contention to actually uh place, show or win at the Kentucky Derby from the one post. That's that's speed. And it was a sloppy, sloppy track. So um, I did a little bit of research and, and saw that his pace was pretty good and saw that uh, yeah, knowing what I know about the Preakness and not being such a uh, – it wasn't going to be a sloppy track, and those horses were fast. Um, the stalking capability of, of uh, War of Will had me excited, and that's why I picked him because uh, he seemed pretty comfortable at the at the one spot and um, or at the one post. And so I, I was just going to let him rock. Um, so um, – I did, and, and it paid off. It played out just like I thought. The pace was very fast. He he got himself in a good position, and uh, he stalked until the end, and then he pulled away, and um, it was great. So um, will I take him at the Belmont? I don't know. That That is the type of style that I like to see at the Belmont, but uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I play it by ear. But um, when I cap the big races, I'm not a, a pro- professional horse uh, handicapper. But I, I use uh, some YouTube videos of, of people who are at the track and stuff, and, and I always watch um, the top horses that people are expecting to win. I always go back and watch the races that they want to see how they run, especially if they run against light competition or, or so forth and so on. I want to see exactly how they run. I want to see, like like with maximum security, I saw a horse that reminded me of um, the American Pharaohs and um, the um, Always Dreamings, where they always seem to have something something left in the tank uh, on on shorter tracks. So um, he was a Florida Derby winner, which I always like to pick the Florida Derby winners um, in, in any of my pools. But I was really bent on this horse, and it was a sloppy track, and he was good on sloppy track. So, like, that was my logic behind it, and it paid off. But um, if there's one thing you can take from, from this show and, and take from anything I tell people, never bet blindly. Um, <clears throat> I mean, even if you take advice from me, it would still be nice if you watch the games or, or, or watch the events that you bet on just so you can kind of see for your own self. Because, like I said, everybody sees things differently. Um, everybody sees tendencies differently. And uh, an extra set of eyes can really help. Uh, when it comes to, to uh, capping games. So you never want to just take somebody's word for it. Always watch. Um, I mean, I, I follow a couple guys that w- would be considered pros on Twitter, and um, 
as much as I I take their advice and and so forth and so on. I mean, my my homeboys they they give me picks sometimes, and and I follow them occasionally, and um, I watch their games, you know, just to make sure I see things. And and there are times where I'm looking at something that somebody's given me or brought to my attention, and I see something else, and and that helps me expand um, my my knowledge. So. Um, you always want to be open-minded when you're, when you're betting. So, um, I, I'm super open-minded with horse racing because I don't know enough to be critical and it pays off for me every time. I think the reason why I'm, I'm so good at horse racing and so good at, uh, soccer is because I don't know enough about the, the players in the sports or the, uh, the competition to be super like objective. So I'm kind of clear-minded and I, and I don't overthink it and I just make my play. Um, so, um, that really helps me. And, um, I kind of keep that, that same frame of mind in golf. Um, if anybody's been keeping up with my golf, I've won, I want to say about six or seven tournaments this year. Um, two and oh in the majors, I picked Tiger Woods, um, and I picked, um, Brooks Kopeka last week. So the thing about golf fields, um, and I'll sum this up really, really quick. Cause I got like two minutes left. But the thing about golf fields is there's like 70 different people nine times out of 10 or 50 something people uh, in, in, in events where they don't have cut lines, but there's so many options and the odds are so high. You have to give your chance, yourself a chance to win. You cannot go into a golf tournament and pick one person and think you're going to win. Now you don't have to go into a golf tournament and pick 10 people either. Um, but when I first started, that's honestly what I did. I, I would put, up to $5 on 20 people. So I take $100 and I put $5 on 20 people and it made me follow all the golfers, all the tournaments and learn all these people. And I learned, I learned the golf circuit, uh, the PGA tour. I learned it in about a year. I was, I think, I think last year was my, my first year of, uh, or maybe year before last. So year before last, I was my first year of, of betting and I did, um, I did that 20, 20 person uh, thing for the longest. Sometimes I only, only put a dollar on somebody based on the odds, but but it was all things that I did just to give myself uh, a chance to learn, and it paid off for me in the form of the British Open. Um, I took Henry Henry Stinson or Henrik Stinson. I think at the time he was almost like sixty to one, um, something something kind of crazy, and I, and I think I put about fifteen dollars on him. Which at the time was a big deal to me because it's like I'm usually doing like one dollars, two, maybe five, but I'm putting fifteen on this guy, and I end up winning, and, and um, I'll never forget it uh, in regards to that particular tournament. But that's how I taught myself how to learn it. So uh, going forward, if you guys are interested in sports capping, um, you don't have to put a lot of money on stuff, and and, and you will make your money long term if you take your time and you learn the sports, learn the trends, um, learn. Uh, the game from a gambler's eye. So I, I love football. I love baseball. I love the strategy behind it. I understand um, <clears throat> basketball. I understand the strategy behind a lot of things they, they do on the court. But when I bet, I'm not using as much X's and O's or, or that particular part of my brain as I would um, if I was just watching as a fan. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about how to separate those things uh, on next week's show. Uh, I got about 10 seconds, so I'm going to wrap up and say, you know, if you guys need me for anything, you can inbox me uh, or you can just tag me in the group if you got any questions. So uh, 
Good luck to everybody.